Please always consult with your physicians prior to making any changes to your treatment plan. Welcome to Living with Scanxiety, the cancer podcast, a podcast geared to help you navigate the pediatric cancer world. As a mother of a child who battled a soft tissue sarcoma for over a year, your host, Rosaria Kozar, understands and will help guide you through your journey. She brings the knowledge of experts, families, survivors, and other organizations tied to the pediatric cancer world to your doorstep. Her mission is to inform, support, and promote hope for you and your family. Yeah, I think, you know, it's so important for parents to, like, take care of themselves in this process and, like, take care of their physical body and to take care of their mental body. Hi, this is Rosaria, and I am here with Samara Kleeman, and she's a native to Boston, Massachusetts. She's a social worker, a mom-cologist of a five-year-old son who's fighting cancer currently, and an author. We're going to sit with her tonight and hear a little bit about her journey with her son and some of her books, which pertain a lot to the childhood cancer world. So I'm super excited to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So do would you like to start telling us about your story and how it morphed into the children's books or what the children's books were aimed at? How would you like to start? Sure. Well, I can kind of tell you a little bit about how the children's book came to be. Um, I've always been a writer, like kind of for, you know, fun and, and just something I've enjoyed. Um, and, uh, my, when my son was diagnosed with, uh, a brain tumor, which happened in 2017, uh, I was looking for books and resources to share, mostly actually with his older sister, about what was happening in our family. And I really kind of came up short. There were some really scary books that I found, and then some that just really weren't, I just didn't find anything that was helpful and could really help um, open a conversation and start a dialogue with my daughter, who was, you know, four or five at the time, um, and and also just kind of normalize it for my son with pictures and things like that. So kind of being uh, a writer and being a social worker, I decided I would just kind of take that on as something, a real need that, that needed to be filled. And that's kind of how the book came to be. Um, and we ended up, my family, we started a, a nonprofit, a foundation to um, raise uh, funds to support research for a cure for the type of cancer he has. It's called um, ependymoma. And so we created the Ependymoma Research Foundation. And so I decided that all the profits from the sale of the book would go directly to support pediatric cancer research through the foundation. So it kind of all came together like around the same time, which was really nice that it came together. Um, but the book was really in response to a need and a need that I was kind of hearing from other families too, and other social workers and people in child life that there was just kind of like, it's so helpful to have these tools to have these conversations with, with young, young people. Absolutely. That is so cool how it all came together. It really is, you know, the whole, the whole process, because setting up a nonprofit isn't easy, right? No, not definitely not. Um, You know, the one thing 
I think when you're kind of faced with a difficult situation like a cancer diagnosis, it's you have a choice, right, of how you're going to move forward. And I would say for the first like year, I was just like surviving and getting us through and just like I wasn't really doing anything except surviving. And then with a little bit of time, I realized like, okay, well, I could either go hide under the covers for the rest of my life, or I could do something that I've, you know, so much feels like beyond my control, but here's Mm -hmm. something that I can control. And like, I'm a social worker, I'm a writer, I've worked in like nonprofit management. So I'm going to take myself, all of my skills and put it towards something, you know, for, for good and for change. And so you know, that's kind of what happened. And my husband, he's a physician. And so we have kind of that background as well. So kind of bringing that together, like, oh, well, we really have something con- to contribute here. It's not a place we wanted to be, but here we are. And so, um, you know, I'm just grateful that we could kind of put all the pieces together. Yeah. And it seems like you kind of social work to yourself, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do that a lot. Right? <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes that happens. You know, you go to social work school, you're like, yeah, um, yeah, I think that this would be useful for me right now. Uh, <laughs> so these these books are intended for you were saying like five to four year olds. Yeah, younger audiences. So they're picture book. It's a picture book. Um, so I would say like you know, under six, two, two to six. Mm-hmm. Um, when my son was diagnosed, we read it with him and, you know, he was looking at the pretty pictures. That was kind of his focus. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the great thing about kids. They'll pick out what they need to focus on at the moment. Um, and my daughter was asking kind of more questions about like, well, you know, why is he not feeling well and things like that and things that she could relate to. Yeah. So it really helped her um, see through a different lens age appropriate. Yeah. It really, it opened a conversation. Like I feel like, you know, sometimes you need like a tool, like a book to help talk about something that's not so easy to talk about. And so for her, it it allowed us to have a dialogue of like, Oh, that little boy. Oh, he looks like my brother. And he, Oh, he's, he's going to the hospital too. And, and then there's both that sense of kind of like normalizing, like kids get sick, right? And kids also get better and kids go home and, you know, some kids don't, but like, there's just, it's kind of like, you have to see the whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, it really normalized that for her. And, and then we were able to talk about what was going on for her. Like, you know, it, it just opened the conversation. And before we get into your story as a mom oncologist, uh, what is the title of the book? It's called Will Jacks Be Home for Thanksgiving? Jacks, like a special meaning for a name for you, or did you just happen to pick it up? Um, I had read another book with my son before he was sick, and there was a character named Jacks, and it kind of reminded me of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I got it from. Um, so it just kind of suits suits his personality. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great that you could kind of uh, dedicate it to him a little bit. So your story as a momcologist and your son getting diagnosed, um, you you had said you had two children because your daughter is younger than your older son? Daughter, older daughter, younger son. Um, oh, okay. So my son was like around one when he was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my daughter was like four, three and a half, almost four at the time. Um, having 
siblings is always difficult leading you down the path of writing the book, but would you be willing to share with us your story? Sure. Yeah. Um, so my son, uh, you know, was a pretty high energy, typical <laughs> one-year-old learning to walk and run and talk and all of that. Um, and one day it was in November and I, we were at the park. I was there, we were there with a friend and we were there for like a half an hour, not, you know, not very long, but I, I noticed in our time there that he had tripped like kind of over his feet, like on nothing, there was nothing on the ground, like three, on three separate times. And I just kind of was like, huh, that doesn't, something didn't feel right. Like it just, it, it, it's caught my attention. Um, and then as we were leaving, I noticed that his head was kind of tilted just very slightly to the side. And I was like, we need to go to the doctor. It is something told me like, just let's go to the doctor. Something's not right. Um, so we did, we went actually the same day, which was the one kind of positive of the story is that I felt like our medical team was like right there with us. Um, and I was able to, you know, do an appointment right away. It just was like very, everything was lined up. Um, so we went to his primary care doc and, um, you know, he's like, Oh, it's probably nothing, but just to be safe, why don't you get a scan? Um, and so I took him home and, and my husband and I really, we debated like, well, should we get a scan? He seems fine now. Like, you know, it, you know, it, should we do this? But we did. And, um, um, so, you know, I had to stay home with my daughter. My husband took him to the hospital cause that's the, the juggle of having, you know, more than one kid. Um, mm-hmm. so, so my husband was there when he had the scan and then, then he got the news that it was a brain tumor. Um, and it was just, you know, at that moment, everything changed. Um, so, he, they kept my son in the hospital overnight. My husband stayed with him overnight. And then the next morning I went, um, to see him and, to, and, you know, we got coverage for my daughter and, you know, I felt like my heart was in two places. My daughter, I knew this was going to change her life forever. My, and then our own, you know, my own heart and my own, uh, my husband and my son. So it just is like, everything was like, I felt like literally like I was being pulled everywhere. Um, but he stayed in the hospital and then, then they told us, they were like, well, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> it was like right before, and they were like, why don't you go home and enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend? Which was like, okay. Um, and he'll come back on Tuesday for the surgery. Um, so they sent us home, which was nice in a way that it didn't have to be like a rush surgery and that type of thing. And and they had to wait for this special operating room. And thankfully we're in Boston, which has like amazing medical care. And this is like, they knew it, they knew this tumor. They've done this before. They had all like, it was the perfect place to be. Um, you know, so anyway, uh, they, yeah, they sent us home and then we, he came back on Tuesday for the surgery and then was, um, in the hospital for like three weeks after. And yeah, it was that, that part is really awful. Um, it was just a really difficult time. And I, I was kind of on autopilot of just, you know, trying to hold things together at home, trying was we, my husband and I were taking turns at the hospital every day. So someone was always with him, uh, my son. And, um, yeah, the, the recovery, the surgery was, hell it was like 10 hours um and 
just, yeah, it was bad. And then, um, you know, thankfully he survived. So that is the good news. But the inpatient hospitalization was really challenging for everyone. My son didn't speak for the whole time he was there. He, he was like, everything that he had known as a baby was got like, he couldn't hold his head up. He couldn't sit up. He couldn't like, he couldn't swallow. Like it was like, we were back at birth and he was, you know, he's was almost, he was one when he was diagnosed, but he was at this point becoming close to two. Um, so that was really, really hard. Um, and it kind of stayed that way for a good year, like after his, his everything. Cause after the surgery, he had radiation and anyway, it's the long, the long road that that's just part of it. Um, there are not a lot of wonderful treatments for this type of cancer. Really. It's kind of a crude, like you cut it out, you cut out the tumor and then you irradiate it. And that's, that's the solution. Um, so it's not really a cure and it has the potential to return, um, and the thing that's so hard is that I think it could be cured if the right, uh, energy and resources were put toward it. Cause it's not necessarily complicated. It's just not time hasn't been put toward it. Cause it's, you know, it's not a moneymaker. So that's so hard. And that's yeah. why you do what you do though. And donate the money towards yeah. that. Exactly. It is. And, you know, the other thing that really is striking about this particular type of uh, cancer is that it, it, it can affect adults, but it m- more frequently affects children and it most frequently affects children under three. So mm-hmm. it just, I mean, uh, right. Any child that has, any person that has cancer, your heart just breaks for it, but it's especially like disturbing that it's such young, young kids. Um, and just, you know, cause I saw that in my own life. And so, um, yeah, I just, I, I guess I do what I do so that there can be hope for our family and hope for other families as well that, um, you know, maybe someday there'll be a better, a better option, um, for everyone. Mm-hmm. And as a social worker, someone that knows an awful lot about mental health, do you find yourself reaching out or do you have suggestions for other parents on how to promote a better sense of or promote mental health stability for themselves? Yeah, I think, you know, it's so important for parents to like take care of themselves in this process and to, like take care of their physical body but and to take care of their mental body. And so, um, you know, for everyone, it's going to be a little different where that support comes from. But like, you know, make sure you're eating your three meals and make sure you're eating vegetables and going for a walk. I remember like at the hospital, like we, I had, you know, been going there so much when he was inpatient, I hadn't like exercised in like two weeks, which for me, I like, I go running every day. So that was like a huge, and I was like, my brain was starting to like, I was feeling tense and I was like, Oh, well it's maybe cause I haven't exercised in two weeks, you know? So, so there's two, cause that's part of like my mental care. So I just think it's so important to, you know, once you move past that kind of survival piece, which every you know, at some point you do, um, you really have to like take care of the basic needs and, um, 
you know, getting rest and having people to talk to. I mean, I'm fortunate that I have a lot of friends that are also social workers. So we, you know, they're great, great to chat with. Um, But there's also like support groups and I work as a um, peer, a peer mentor for other families going through this. So there's a lot of support out there if if you're kind of willing to just reach out for it. Um, You know, the hospitals have usually amazing child life and social work staff. Um, So there's, the one thing I must say about this community, the cancer, childhood cancer community, is I do feel like there are a lot of resources available uh, for support for families. And that's a good thing because you need it. (laughs) Absolutely. Definitely need all the support that we can get, friends, family, uh, neighbors, anybody, um, nonprofits, and yeah. and more. So, is there anything you want to add? Um, no, I think the only thing that I was just thinking in, in terms of support is, I think it's really important to kind of have difficult conversations, and I I I know for certain like sometimes that might mean that relationships will change, right? So there are sometimes some people that you talk to about your experience and they that's not where they want to go. That's they they don't want to share that experience with you. And that's fine. That's exactly just where they are, but I think it's just important as a momcologist or as just a, like a, a human living with something hard um, that you need to be able to talk about the the hard things. And so I, I've noticed that like the support and the friends that have surrounding me now are people that can sit with those hard conversations. And so I just would encourage other people in this position to, you know, know that you can find that and reach out until you do, because I think it's so important to just have that. That's like the true support. It's not, you know, Mm. um, otherwise I don't think it's as, it it just, it's helpful to have, to have that, like the strength, the strength of that support. (laughs) No, that's perfect. And um, that's a good note to end on. I just want to, let you know that we do have kind of a fun portion of the show, um, a positive portion to end on. And uh, maybe that's the clinician in me. I don't know, but (laughs) I'm just going to ask you a few questions and uh, answer them the best that you can and as quick as you can. So um, if you could read minds or see the future, which would you choose? I guess read minds. Um, I I feel like I kind of have a little bit of that anyway, but, but, but maybe you get to have some confirmation. <laughs> yeah, actually, I can I can see that being beneficial as a clinician. So my next question is, which uh, song, if you could pick one, um, represents your life right now? I guess that song, I don't even know the name. Like, we are family, you know, though. Oh, I love that song. That's a good one. I don't know who sings it either. I can't think of the All my brothers and sisters and me. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. I know that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your time. And um, if you guys have a chance, check out the book. I was given a copy. It's really great. It's really well done. I think it will be very supportive for you and your family. On that note, I just want to say goodbye and thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Living with Scanxiety. Please subscribe to hear more informative discussions like today's.